Excellent. Good stuff. If you've got your Bibles, um, turn to Matthew chapter 5. Uh, my name's Paul. I'm one of the pastors here at King's. My privilege to lead the team and to be speaking uh, this morning on what is a momentous day in the life of King's Church. It's an exciting day. Um, as we uh, pray for the guys in Bexhill, we're going to see them propelled out um, uh, by us and by the Holy Spirit, I think, um, into everything that God has got for them. <coughs> very, very exciting. If I manage to make it into the end of the preach anyway, if, if not, if there are any doctors present, you can come and uh, uh, bring me back to life or something like that. Who, who enjoyed the breakfast this morning? Yeah, good. If you were involved in the breakfast, putting it on, could you, and you're not still washing up, could you, could you stand up just so we give you a round of applause? I just want to say thank you. If you're involved in the breakfast, they are still washing up. I know Jill was at the back there. Um, Tracy, some of the others. Let's just uh, thank them for... I wonder if we should do it every week in Hastings. I don't know. I mean, I think it could go down quite well. I don't think Tracy's quite up for that, but uh, Brilliant. As, as you know, we are um, passionate. We want to see healthy church growing here in Hastings and in Bexhill, six o'clock church, and we want to see the kingdom of heaven extending out, making a difference. And as we plant into Bexhill, that's a major part of us doing that. It's not just about reaching out with the gospel. It's not just about taking the kingdom to a further afield and to new people. But it's also providing an opportunity for us to grow healthy church, for us to do healthy life together. And so as we do Bexhill, that is a key part of what we're all, we, we, we are about. But we also find as we're looking through Matthew that we know we are doing, um, we find that Matthew has a lot to say about healthy church. We find that Matthew has a lot to say about taking the kingdom out. And so as we unpack it through this series, as we work our way through Jesus' teachings in Matthew, we're going to be looking a lot at a lot what is it to be a healthy disciple? What does it mean for me as an individual to be healthy in my walk with God? What does it look like for us to be a group of individuals who form healthy church in different venues, but also what does it mean for us to take the kingdom out? What does Jesus describe taking the kingdom out to look like? Now we're going to pick up in Matthew chapter 5, we're going to be doing the Beatitudes and the sort of first half of chapter 5 this morning. But before I do that, I want to start by reading out a section of a blog um, which comes from Desiring God, which I think you will find very provocative. I did as I read it, and I think you're going to recognize people like that um, as I read it out to you. And as I'm reading it, I just want you to think, have I taken some of this thinking into how I'm living life? Have I got a similar mindset? Maybe it's not worked out in the same way, but have I got a similar mindset to what is being described here? So I'm sure you've met someone like this. She struck terror in all who met her. Her voice, like an agitated hive of bees, stung all who came in range of it. Her words were sword thrusts. 
Her tongue broke spirits. Her speech wielded the power of death. All who saw her braced themselves. Her philosophy was identical to a past roommate's who, after eating too much Chinese food, would smile and say, better out than in. Her incivility must rumble out, no matter the discomfort it caused to everyone else in the room. And none could take offence because, as everyone was fond of reminding themselves, that's just how she was. To complain about her was to complain that water was wet or rocks were hard. Gravity was what it was. She was who she was. Her personality in this view was an inflexible disposition, a scientific inevitability. Something she couldn't help. To mutter against her was to grumble against biology. And well-mannered was not who she was. Politeness was not at the core of her. Rumour had it, she was born this way. She was just being herself. I wondered if you've come across people like that. And their excuse for how they do life is, I was born that way. I'm just being 100% real. I'm being true to myself. All slogans of the day. Let me give you a few other things you may have come across. Oh, her. She's just strong-willed and independent. That's why she doesn't submit to her husband. Him? Oh, don't worry. He isn't trying to be inhospitable and cold, cold towards everyone. He's just shy and introverted. Yeah, he, he doesn't lead spiritually, but don't fret. He just doesn't go deep. That's who he is. Why isn't she growing in her knowledge of God's word? Well, because she just isn't a reader. Why does it seem like he flirts with every girl he meets? Well, don't read too much into it. He just has a playful personality playful personality. That's just the way he is. I wonder how much of that way of thinking may have even come into your way of thinking. Well, I'm just being true to myself. It's in my DNA. My parents will like it. It's who I am. The problem is, that's not the message of the kingdom of heaven. That's not, the Matthew, that's not the message of Matthew. You see, the kingdom of heaven is God's people in God's place living under God's rule. The Bible says we used to be in one kingdom, but now we've been transferred into a completely different kingdom. And we are now disciples of Jesus Christ. It says in Colossians 1 verse 13 and 14, He has saved us from the kingdom of darkness and he has brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. Because of what the son has done, we have been set free. That's what we were singing, wasn't it? We've been set free. Because of him, all our sins have been forgiven. When you became a Christian, you died to that old kingdom. You died to that old way of doing things. Now you've been born again. Now you've been transferred into a new kingdom with a new way of doing things, a new way of living life. And you may say, well, what's the way in? How do I get into this new kingdom? The answer isn't 
being 100% true to myself. That's not the way into the kingdom. The way into the kingdom is repent. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Andrew covered this last week. I just want to reinforce it. From that time on, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven isn't at hand. Is at hand, not isn't. It's not about saying sorry. Although actually godly sorrow at sin is good. That's a gift. If you're sorrowful at your old way of life, that's a good thing. But it's a change of thinking leading to a change of direction. John the Baptist, as Andrew said last week, John the Baptist said, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. You see, repentance isn't just saying the right words at the right time. It's a change of thinking leading to a change of action. Saying the right words is the easy bit. Producing fruit that lines up with it is something completely different. It's like, I don't know if any of you have done this in the new year. You signed up for Weight Watchers. You thought, I ate too much over Christmas and I want to lose a bit of weight. So I've signed up for, I haven't. Just in case, just in case any of you get worried and you want a word with me at the end. But you sign up for Weight, you sign up for weight Watchers or another good health eating program thingy. There are many of them. And... You sign up, you pay your subscription, you might even do the direct debit. You've repented, you've, you've, you've had a change of thinking. But if that is not followed through by attending the classes, by changing your eating habits, there is no fruit to your repentance. It's just, in some ways, empty words. But the repentance that Jesus is talking about here leads to a life change. It leads to a different way of living. This is what Jesus is saying. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's not becoming the ultimate me. It's about becoming a new me in Jesus Christ, joined to him. That's the way into the kingdom. So what does this kingdom look like? What is this kingdom that Jesus describes? Well, in the Beatitudes, and we are going to go through them, we're going to see what it means to be a citizen of this kingdom, to be a partaker of it. What is the fruit that we expect to see? Because I have been planted into Jesus Christ. I've been born again. I have a new start within me. What is the fruit that is going to be born as I keep in step with what God is doing in my life? Jesus says this, or Matthew writes this, in chapter 5, verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, and this is an upside-down kingdom. This is not the way most kingdoms work. This is not the way most individuals operate. But this is a description of the kingdom that many, many of you are part of. This, this is how? God challenges us and calls us to do life. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, 
for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Sermon on the Mount starts with the Beatitudes, the blessings. What does it look like to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ? What attitudes do we carry as those who are following him? What are the rewards that we should expect as we put the gospel into practice in our lives? And Jesus wants to, firstly, he wants to do this because he wants to explain what this new kingdom is like. He wants to communicate it to his disciples, how it works. In a sense, it's an opportunity for us to renew our minds. As we look at some of these things, you're going to think, this isn't how I used to live. This isn't how my work colleagues work. But this is now the currency of how the kingdom of God works. There's a renewing our minds. There's a thinking differently. He wants to explain something. He also wants to tell us that there's a reward available. Have you noticed that? It says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There is reward now, as we put it into practice, and there's reward in the age to come, as we put it into practice. A now and a not yet. He wants to tell us that we are enabled to do it. I've already touched on it, so I won't linger. But you've been born again. You've been united, grafted into Jesus Christ. You have a new power source than the one you used to have. We we will never, we will never be able to do Sermon on the Mount completely, perfectly here in this life. But we are empowered to live differently. We are empowered to uh, uh, change how we live. So he explains it. There's rewards available. We're enabled to do it. And it's an invitation to follow. Come, follow Jesus. Repent. Change your thinking. Line your lives up with God's kingdom. Produce fruit. Take off stuff that doesn't line up with it. Put on stuff that does line up with it. Keep in step with the Holy Spirit. He explains there are rewards available. We're enabled to do it. We're invited to follow. We are blessed as we do so. So what's the first one? And I just want to go through it relatively quickly. But my ask of you, I guess, would be just, I'm going to go through, there's eight there. I just want you to pick one. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? We just want one takeaway this morning. Just one area that you are speaking to me about. So the first one is blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus isn't here talking about material poverty. The emphasis on piety. 
suffering, it's on dependence on God. You are blessed when you know that you need God. Do you know that? When you know that you can't do it on your own, that you need God, you are in a blessed situation. And the promise is, yours is the kingdom of heaven. That any of you this morning, just, you're just aware you need more grace. You need more of him. You can't do it on your own. You know what? It might not feel a comfortable place, but that is a good place to be. Knowing that you are reliant on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The, the opposite would to be overly confident. Secure in your abilities and in your gifting. No, blessed are those who know. Oh God, I need you. Have you ever been there? I have. Well, I haven't been able to pray anything at all except help. God, help me. That's a blessed place to find yourself in. When you hit bottom and you're crying out to God, that is a good place to be. That is grace. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Again, here Jesus isn't necessarily talking about being bereaved, having lost someone that we love. Not even necessarily mourning at sin, although those things are covered by this phrase. But those who are suffering in life, particularly if you're suffering because of your loyalty to God, you are blessed knowing that you will receive comfort from God. Comfort in the gospel. Comfort knowing that I'm a dearly loved child of God. Comfort in knowing that the kingdom is extending and reaching out further one generation to the next generation as we were singing before. There's comfort in that. There's comfort in the hope to come. Now, particularly within our culture where things are often so comfortable, we we look for comfort. We look for hope here and now. If you go into other third world situations, they are much, much more aware of the hope in the gospel for the future. Knowing that, that, you know, if you're a Christian, this is not the best that it gets. It isn't. If you're struggling with ill health and not being able to get over it or get better, do you know what? Perfect health is available in the age to come. If you're struggling emotionally and you are, you are struggling to right yourself and for, for, for God's grace, as it were, to right yourself emotionally, do you know what? Emotional wholeness is available in the age to come. Blessed are those who mourn, they will be comforted. And it's really interesting, I mustn't linger too long on each of them, but it's just really interesting. It doesn't say blessed are those who mourn, for God will change your circumstances. He doesn't say that. He says blessed are those who mourn, because you will know God's comfort flowing into your life. That's what's certain. Now, sometimes in God's wonderful mercy, our circumstances change, and that is a wonderful, wonderful gift. But, Actually, what he promises is that we will know comfort from God. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. This is not talking about getting a whole load of money. That's not what it's all about. It's saying, blessed are those who don't throw their weight around, but they trust God to give, to give them what is in his hand. God will lift you to a high place. 
It's holding on to God and looking for his breakthrough. This isn't about being a doormat or being passive or lazy. I'm just sat on the sofa just waiting for God to give me my due, to give me my inheritance. No, it's not that. But when it comes to personal um, gain, personal development, as it were, there is a reliance. Blessed are the meek. I'm not going to push myself to the front. As, as Janair said, I'm not going to push myself to the front of the breakfast queue. I'm going to trust God. The greater our resources, the greater our abilities, the greater the temptation we can have to try and do it in our own strength. But we're to be meek, to trust him for promotion and success. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Their one desire is for a relationship of obedience and trust with God. It's not so much about social justice as a hunger for him, a heart orientation. I want to live rightly with God. I want to live in a way that pleases him. They are promised satisfaction for their thirst. What are you hungering and thirsting for? Righteousness? Or is something else filling that hole? Do we celebrate and enjoy righteousness or evil? How do we use our leisure time? A really interesting thing. You know, what are we watching? What are we listening to? What are we reading on social media? What do we read books-wise? What magazines or newspapers do we buy? All of those are a reflection of are we celebrating righteousness or are we celebrating evil? What do we spend our time doing? But if we pursue righteousness, we will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. We see the importance of mercy and its reciprocal nature. It's a constant theme in the New Testament that we need to forgive others if we're going to know the benefits of forgiveness in our own lives. Our ability to forgive and show mercy is a direct reflection of how good we are at loving people. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Yes, it's to moral purity is part of it, but only part. Again, it's about that hunger for God and a relationship with him. An undivided loyalty, inner and outer life that matches up. It, this mirrors Psalm 24, verse 6, where the psalmist writes, Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Those who've got clean hands and a pure heart. Same for us. I have the imputed righteousness of Christ, but actually that gives me a greater responsibility to keep my outward conduct in line with my inner purity that my outer life, my inner life, all tie together. If you're struggling to see God this morning, if you are struggling to connect with him in the worship or just in your own times with him, first question to ask on the back of Matthew 5 is, how are you doing with purity? I'm not saying that is the reason for your struggles, but if you're not walking with a pure heart towards God, your ability to see him clearly will be marked. And I know pastorally from various situations where people have deliberately wandered away from God. Oh, actually, they haven't wandered. They've walked away from God. 
they end up with a very odd, obscured view of what he's like. Because they can't see him properly. They've become marred by that. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. God is the ultimate peacemaker. He has dealt with our biggest need in bringing us back to himself through his dearly beloved son, Jesus Christ. As we are peacemakers in everyday situations, we reflect our Father in heaven. Children reflect their Father. Are you a peacemaker in the family? Are you a peacemaker in your workplace? Or do you add to strife by continuing gossip? Do you go with the flow of whatever it is that's happening? Or do you actually say no? I'm not going to speak badly about that person behind their back. I'm not going to put that on Facebook because I know it's going to hurt people and cause disruption and disputes. Let's not be the cause of division. Let's not increase division. But let's be peacemakers who bring reconciliation reconciliation to every area of life. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. As we look to follow God, we reflect him more and more and more. As we do that, that attracts persecution. The more we look like God, the more we should expect to be persecuted by a world that doesn't like God. If I'm honest, I've spent most of my life trying to reduce the pain of persecution. I want to fit in. I don't want to be rejected. We need to be sensitive to those around us and love, but we need to be courageous too. We need to be bold as well. And if someone gets upset at what I say, it might not be that I've actually done anything wrong. It might be because God's working in them. That's not always the case, but sometimes, you know, it is. And I wonder in our society if, yes, we need to be sensitive as we push on, but I wonder if we may have lost some of our courage. I wonder if we may have stepped away at times when we should have stepped up and stepped in. As we reflect God more and more through the Beatitudes... we see this godlike character in its entirety should be progressively seen in all true disciples because only where it is found is the kingdom of heaven this godlike character in its entirety should be progressively seen in all true disciples because only where it is found is the kingdom of heaven so what is the result What's the result of this life where we are joined into Jesus, being produced, growing, coming out of us? It says in verse 13, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. 
In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. As these things come out of my life, as I look to keep in step with what God is doing, we church, we individuals are salt and light to the people around us. Salt brings taste, yes, but in ancient days it stopped decay. Where we are should bring purity. Resist evil. Actual fact, make the world a better place. Is the world better because you are in it? Light reveals things. It's visible. Darkness cannot hide the light. Actually, darkness cannot resist the light. But it's dispelled by it in the same way. A Christian shines in the dark world and brings glory to God. We shouldn't hide away. But let our light shine. Let our deeds, our words, how we are shine before men and women. This isn't about a facade of sort of a paper thin facade that we put on on Sunday mornings. But it's a work of God that permeates us 24-7. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this, The glory of the gospel is that when the church is absolutely different from the world, she invariably attracts it. We are called to be different. We are part of a different kingdom. It works in different ways. As I said at the very beginning, none of us are going to totally arrive this side of glory. We will always be works in progress. There isn't a single person here who can walk out, I know, saying, no, I'm done. All of the eight Beatitudes, I've got them nailed. I know there isn't anyone in that position. So we're all in it together. But what is it that the Holy Spirit is highlighting to you this morning. This is a time of commissioning. It's a time of commissioning for Bexhill. It's a time of commissioning for Hastings. Commissioning often involves holiness. It often involves saying, no, I am set apart for God. In Isaiah chapter 6, when God appeared to Isaiah, he was totally undone. I, I'm, I'm undone. I'm, I'm a man of unclean lips. And God dealt with that sin, then he commissioned and sent him out. I wonder if this is a great passage for us, church. This is an opportunity for us to reset ourselves on God. Repent, because the kingdom of heaven is here. Repent, because the kingdom of heaven is advancing into Bexhill with a fresh energy and zeal from today. Repent, get ready for it. To live that new way that God has got for you. God has got for us corporately. These are exciting days, but it's good as we march out. To march out with a new sense of holiness and being set apart for him. Can I invite the band back up, please? And can I ask you all to stand? It's interesting when Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee and he called his first disciples. What did he say? He said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. 
So right at the beginning of discipleship is mission. Right at the very beginning is mission. And even as we're looking at these internal, these inner works of grace in our life, they're linked to mission. They're linked to being salt and light to those around us. If you feel comfortable too, and you can, why don't you um, just close your eyes. If you want to, you can raise your hands. Why don't you just, you're not asking it. What I want you to do is just ask God and say, God, out of the eight, which one do you want to highlight to me? Poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, those who are hungering and thirsting for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, peacemakers, those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. You know, there's grace and comfort available right now. Why don't you just speak out to God what's on your heart? If you need to, why don't you take this as an opportunity just to freshly dedicate yourself to him? Just do business with him. If you need to repent, you need to change your thinking, why don't you take this as an opportunity for you to do it? Lord, I thank you that we are part of a new kingdom, an ever-expanding kingdom, a kingdom of, of righteousness, peace and joy. Lord, I ask you right now, would you uh, fill us afresh of your Holy Spirit, even as we have rededicated ourselves to you and following you. I pray we'd know fresh anointing and empowering as we go out. Would you be with us in these things we pray? In your precious name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. We're going to use this song as an opportunity to respond. If you have children in either tots, or your younger ones um, in, uh, energy, in energy, please can you go and collect them? Because for the last bit of this meeting, we want to all be together as we commission and send Bex Hill out. Thank you.